Good morning, everybody. It is time for part four of our Not Today Satan series. And today, uh, this message really follows right on the heels of last week's message when I talked about Satan as the accuser of the brethren. And I talked about the image that I portrayed last week is that Satan goes to sleep at night wondering what he can do tomorrow to accuse the brethren. And he, he dreams of it and he wakes up in the morning. But the apex of his creativity and innovation is when he can convince the brethren to, to accuse one another. That is, if he can get us to do his work with him and for him, that is joy upon joy for him because uh, he has not only accused the brethren, but he has uh, enticed the brethren to accuse the brethren. And not only does he get us to accuse one another, but then he accuses us for accusing one another. So it's just, it's, um, that's like gravy for him. That's like all day, if he can get us to do that. Today, I want to talk about one of his primary devices. <clears throat> the question is, how does he conscript us into his labor union? <clears throat> how does, what pitch does he give us to hide, to get us to, you know, to join him, to join his team, to join his staff? And um, the key to this whole thing is un unforgiveness. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about forgiveness. Every message that I've ever preached on forgiveness and every good message I've ever heard on forgiveness is both wildly important and notoriously difficult. It's, it's tough. And this may be a tough message for some of you to hear. So I want to encourage you to grab your soul by the throat and say, you're going to listen and you're going to stay plugged into this message because you absolutely need this. This is of utmost importance to you today. Now, uh, we're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And whatever I have forgiven, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ, so that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul says, if you forgive, I forgive. And whatever I forgive, I forgive in the sight of Christ. That is, I'm not just forgiving by my own power. I'm not just forgiving by my own will, but I'm forgiving in the sight of Christ. That is, by the power of Christ, by the empowerment of of Jesus Christ. Why? Why is it so important to forgive? So that Satan might not outwit us. Paul says, when we do not forgive, it is because we have been outwitted by Satan. When we do not forgive, it's because Satan has outsmarted us. And Paul says, we're not going to let him outsmart us because we're not unaware of his devices. You know what, let's start. I jumped into the sermon, but let's, let's actually stop for a moment and pray. I think this is a good prayer moment. Amen? Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to receive, minds to understand, and give us the will to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So this is how we're going to say not today, Satan, today is we're not going to walk in unforgiveness for another day. Now, the first thing about uh, forgiveness that we need to understand is that forgiveness is a command of God. God commands us to forgive. Forgiveness is not an optional. If you are, if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, forgiveness is not an option. It is a command. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. It is not, uh, it's, it's not like a higher level. It's the basic level. It's the ground level. Forgiveness is something that God 
commands us to do. And matter of fact, right there in the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples asked him in, in Matthew chapter 6 to teach us to pray, uh, he says, when you pray, say, and then he says the Lord's Prayer. But towards the end of it, at verse 12, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, he teaches them to pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The translate, I mean, literally what this literally means is in our very prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, Lord, make your forgiveness of me conditional upon my forgiveness of others. Now there's, I, I'm gonna contextualize that in a second. But I want us to begin by seeing that not only does God forgive, not only does God command us to forgive, but he connects his forgiveness of us to our forgiveness of others. I think that's a point you just got to sit on for a second. You, you just got to think about that. I, I, know, I know this thing got heavy real quick and, and you weren't, you know, expecting all that. You're expecting, you know, a nice cushy introduction with uh, uh, a story or something, but it got real, real quick that literally Jesus implies when he teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer that if we do not forgive others, God will not forgive us. And actually, Two verses later, he moves that from being implicit to being explicit. In Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. If you forgive, God will forgive you. If you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. That's tough. That's real tough. But that's real. It's tight, but it's right. Now, here's the key. Because forgiveness is a command of God, I think often we confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. There's a huge difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness happens in a moment. Reconciliation is a process. Forgiveness happens in a moment. Reconciliation is a process that takes time. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is not memory loss, as Dr. Kirby Clements says, but memory without vengeance. Forgiveness happens in a moment. Reconciliation is a process. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I'm going to give you some examples of what that means. But what I'm saying to you is that many times we're stuck because we think we need to go through a long, drawn-out process before we can forgive. And what I'm saying to you is that to believe that biblically means you must also believe that there, sh there should be a long drawn out process before God forgives you. If your forgiveness of others is connected to God's forgiveness of you, then to delay your forgiveness of others is also to delay God's forgiveness of you.
And what I'm saying to you is that there's some of you watching me and listening to me right now, and you have believed for years that you are incapable of forgiveness. You have believed for years that no matter how hard you try, there are some folks that you just cannot forgive. You have believed for years that you have been hurt so deeply that forgiveness is for you an impossibility. You have believed for years even that you have the right not to forgive. And what I am saying to you today by the word of the Lord is that if today you would hear my voice and not harden your heart, before this message is over, God will have worked a work of forgiveness in your life that is so radical, that is so thorough, and that is so exhausted that the person that you thought you could never forgive, you will find at the end of this message that you have forgiven them. And I know that's a bold statement, but I believe that's the word of the Lord to you today. And I know that that is the power of the word of the Lord because the thing we must keep in mind is that every time God speaks to us, he speaks not to condemn, but to empower. When he confronts, he confronts so that we might repent. And to repent means to turn. But God does not command us to turn in any direction that he does not empower us to turn. And so the command to repent always comes with the power to repent. But this is the key. I want to confirm your suspicion. You do not have the power to, to forgive. Forgiveness ultimately is miraculous. Forgiveness ultimately is supernatural. Forgiveness ultimately is divine. Remember that passage in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus is in the house teaching and the paralytic man couldn't get to him and so his friends tore a hole in the roof and lowered him down so that he could get to Jesus. And when they lower him down, Jesus says to him, Son, take heart, your sins are forgiven you. The Pharisees are there and they're thinking, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or take up your bed and walk? What Jesus meant when he asked that question is, what would take more divine power to forgive this man's sins or to heal him of his uh, of his, uh, he was uh, paralyzed, to heal him of his paralysis. What takes more power? What, what, what would I need to have more power to do? Which is easier to say? Which takes more power? To tell him your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk? And then he said, but that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He turns to the paralytic and he says, rise, take up your mat and walk. And the man is completely healed and the man stands up on his feet. That miracle, see, we always focus on the miracle of healing of the paralysis. And we don't realize that the point of that whole scenario is that the forgiveness of sins is just as miraculous as the healing of paralysis. The, the forgiveness of sins takes just as much divine power as the healing of paralysis. I mean, to think if you've ever seen someone paralyzed who's unable to walk, 
Imagine how much divine power it would take to fully restore them to perfect health. That's exactly how much divine power it takes to forgive that person's sins. And this is the thing, not just in the sight of God, but at the end of the day, forgiveness, real forgiveness, true forgiveness, full forgiveness, whole forgiveness can only be accomplished by God alone. Matter of fact, one key to understanding the commands of God is that he never commands us to do that which we can do of our own power. Because if God commanded us to do what we could do of our own power, we wouldn't need his help to do it. And therefore, it would not be a faith. And whatever is not a faith is sin. And so you feel helpless to forgive because when you hear God's command to forgive, you understand it to mean forgive by your own power. You forgive. You find it within yourself. And may I say to you that you will never find the power of forgiveness within yourself. It's not within you. Only God can work forgiveness both toward you and through you. And that's good news. Now, okay, remember in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and then 14 and 15, Jesus connects our forgiveness of others to God's forgiveness of us. So first he teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he says in verses 14 and 15, if you forgive men their trespasses, then your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. So he makes it conditional. It is conditional, however, we've got to get the order right. There is a condition, but your forgiveness of others is not the prerequisite to God's forgiveness of you. I'm gonna say that again. It is conditional, but not a prerequisite. Your forgiveness of others is not the prerequisite of God's forgiveness of you. Matter of fact, God's forgiveness of you is the prerequisite of your forgiveness of others. How does that work? What that means is that God does not say, forgive that person and then I'll forgive you. Instead, God says, I forgave you, now you forgive that, that person. God expects your forgiveness of others and my forgiveness of others as a return on his investment of his forgiveness of us. God says, because I forgave you, I expect you to forgive others. Matter of fact, the fruit of God's forgiveness to the degree that you have experienced God's forgiveness upon your life, to that same degree you are capable of forgiving others. Now, to flesh this out, Jesus gives us a parable in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and following. I'm going to read this to you, and then it's going to make perfect sense. In Matthew 18, 20, 21, then Peter came to him, that is Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Verse 35, this is it. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, there's a couple things that we've got to stop and see in this parable. First thing we have to see is that the debt that the master forgave the servant was far greater than the debt that the servant was owed by his fellow servant. The thing we need to realize is that we are all fellow servants and no matter how much of a debt I am owed because of what someone sinned against me, it does not compare to the debt that I owed God. That is, now I know you might hear this and say, well, I wasn't a horrible sinner. I wasn't a murderer or a thief or, you know, I didn't do all of that. So I didn't have that big of a debt. No, you don't get it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, for me to forgive you is to forgive, you know, my equal, right? For you to forgive me is to forgive your equal, for God to forgive me is a completely different story. And I'll tell you why. Because for me to forgive you, okay, maybe you did sin against me, but I did not send my son to die for you on the cross. I did not, uh, you know, first of all, I didn't create you and form you. I did not provide everything that you have for you. I did not watch over and protect you. I am not the author of your life. I do not preserve you in difficult circumstances and situations, and I did not send my son to die for your sins. So the level of betrayal when I sin against God is far greater, far more grievous than the level of betrayal when anyone sins against me. So when God forgave me my debt, 
he forgave me an unfathomable debt. When he forgave my sin, it says that he owed the master 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, a talent was like a year's wages. So he owed him 10,000 years wages, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like a ridiculous debt, right? And the master, move of compassion, he didn't just give him more time. The master in his compassion realized he will never repay this debt. There's not enough good deeds in all the earth that he could do to repay this debt. I'm going to forgive him. That's the benevolence of our Heavenly Father. That's why he sent his son to die for our sins. Because he knew that there, there are not a good, enough good deeds that could be committed in an entire lifetime that could ever even remotely come close to repaying the debt for my sin. And so he sent his son to bear the punishment for my sin because of his compassion for you and for me. And so the servant owed the master 10,000 talents, but then the servant's friend owed him 100 denarii, like 100 bucks. You owe somebody 10,000 years wages and your friend owes you a hundred bucks. And he grabs his friend by the throat and says, pay me now. And the master was angry. You want to talk about what makes God angry when we don't forgive. The master was angry. That's one of the most chilling verses in scripture. The master was angry. You want to talk about the wrath of God? You want to talk about what grieves God's heart? Unforgiveness. I'm sorry, three heavy messages in a row, I know. Don't worry, I'm gonna get you. One of these messages, it's gonna be, you know, light and fun a real in inspirer. <laughs> uh, but this is what the Lord has been giving me. The master was angry and handed him over to the torturers I'm gonna read it so you can see it. Verse 34, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Some of you are living in torment. You've been handed over to the torturers and there's nothing you can do to fix it. More therapy won't help it. More self-help books won't help it. Going to church won't help it. Giving in the offering won't help it. Meditation won't help it. Mindfulness won't help it. You've been handed over to the torturers, but there's one thing that will break it. Forgiveness. 
forgiveness. And I know you have a right. You have a right to hold against this person what they did to you. But the thing you must understand is that forgiveness does not nullify the sin that was forgiven. You see, the way we do forgiveness in America is all wrong. When we forgive, we tend to say things like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Ah, don't worry about it. Ah, it ain't nothing. Ah, it's all good. That's how we forgive. Hey man, I'm sorry about that. Ah, no problem. Hey, it's all good. Ah, no problem. That, my friends, is not forgiveness. In order to truly forgive, you must fully recognize the weight of the sin that has been committed. Real forgiveness does not say, ah, it's not a big deal. No, 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 no. It's a big deal, but I forgive you. That's more powerful. You really hurt me, but I forgive you. That's powerful. What you did was wrong and there's no excuse for it. But I forgive you. That's powerful. In order to truly forgive, and you might not even have to say that to the person, but acknowledge in your own heart, I'm not belittling what happened to you in any way, shape, or form. Because here's the thing. Some, there's the old adage that says unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Unforgiveness does not hurt the person who hurt you. It simply hurts you more. Somebody hurt you and in response you drink poison and hurt yourself worse. You're torturing yourself. Forgiveness does not justify what was done to you. Forgiveness does not make the other person right. Forgiveness is simply an extension of the grace of God that was given to you. So if they don't deserve it, neither did I, neither did you. But forgiveness, it actually opens the door to reconciliation. Now, I told you I was going to give you a couple of... of I, I told you I was going to give you a couple of examples. I'm going to give you one example. Um, here's, here's what trips us up because we tend to think that if I'm going to forgive, I must forget. No, you, only God can forget. Forgive and forget, that's, that's a myth. I can't forget. As I, I said before, Dr. Kirby Clement says, forgiveness is not forgetfulness. It's not memory loss. It's memory without vengeance. I had a, uh, a very close friend in high school who betrayed my trust uh, in a pretty um, explicit way. And, uh, you know, I had shared something with him privately, and he published it abroad. And um, it was very, very hurtful. But I thought to myself, you know, this is like a brother. This person's like a brother to me. I love them. I love them to death. And so I'm going to forgive them. And so less than a year later, I confided in them again. 
And um, immediately, they betrayed my tr- this person betrayed my trust again and uh, did the same thing. And um, I was really, really hurt by that because I thought, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I forgave. I forgave him, and then I got stabbed again. And it took me years to realize that forgiving him did not mean that I needed to continue to confide in him. You see, the fact that you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to trust them. I can forgive you and love you with all of your heart, with all of my heart, but not trust you as far as I can throw you. And so... There's an extent to which I'm got, you, ha, you and I have to learn how to forgive, but create proper boundaries, and those boundaries protect you and they protect the person. Um, example. Let's say you had a community group meeting after the pandemic is over, of course, and you invited, you know, five, six people over your house. And you noticed after the community group meeting was over... Um, that uh, the camera you had on the table was gone. And you discover that one of the members of your community group stole your camera. And you know who it was. So you confront the person and they repent and they cry and they return the camera to you. They say, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on in me. I've got this problem. I can't stop stealing stuff. So you forgive them. And so the next week you invite them over for community group. And after it's over, you realize that um, your blender is gone. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. So you confront him. He returns your blender and he cries. You know what? wisdom would probably say uh, forgive him but don't let him back in your house reconciliation means come back into my house and be a full participant in my house forgiveness simply means I don't hate you I'm not going to call the cops I'm not going to report you and so actually I mean that's not all I mean I can forgive you and even call the cops because you're a danger to yourself or to others um, forgiveness does not excuse you from consequences of your actions. But it simply says, I will not carry vengeance towards you in my heart. It's memory without vengeance. Forgiveness says, I'm going to allow God to be your judge and I'll continue to be your brother or your sister. Forgiveness simply says, how could I ever look down on you when I owed such a debt because of the sin that I had committed and the Father freely forgave me. Forgiveness. 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 And I think that distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation can help some of you 
to actually take the step because the one thing I think some of, some of us have been afraid of forgiveness because you thought it meant you had to let that person back into a place where they could hurt you again and you don't. It simply means I'm gonna love you with all of my heart, sometimes from a distance if necessary, but I'm not gonna hold vengeance against you in my heart. So, last point. How do we tap into the power of God that would enable us to forgive? The first thing that I need you to know that this is the good news. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have received his forgiveness, the power of forgiveness resides in you already. The power that you need, the strength that you need to forgive it's already in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to teach you how to tap into it in a second. Number two, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can tap into the power to forgive simply by opening up your heart to receive him as your Lord and Savior. And it is imperative that you do. And let me tell you why. Because carrying all of that unforgiveness in your heart has caused you to live in a state of torment for too long. Isn't it time to let that go? And haven't you realized that you can never let that go by your own power? Aren't you ready to receive God's help? Opening up your heart to Jesus, receiving him as your Lord and Savior, releases within you not only the power of God that forgives you, that wipes the slate clean, but releases within you the power to forgive others. God forgives you first, and then you forgive others. And once you've experienced the power of God to forgive you and to wash you and to cleanse you, you suddenly are now connected to the power to forgive others. I'll never forget, there was a, a young man in our congregation years ago, and it, I always marvel when I see this, but he called me on the phone. He says, Pastor, I got to come see you right now. And he ran to my office and I opened the door. He said, Pastor, because he had just received Christ the previous Sunday. He said, Pastor, when you said at the end of that prayer that my sins were forgiven, what does that mean? I said, what do you mean, what does that mean? He said, does it mean like God's going to punish me later? I said, no, 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 no. God doesn't punish you later. He already punished his son Jesus for your sins. It means that your sins are forgiven. It means that God has forgiven your sins. He said, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that every sin that I ever committed, because I, I believe in Jesus, every sin that I ever committed is, is like washed away. It's like gone. I said, yes, it's washed away. It's gone. He said, you mean it's as if I never did it. I said, it's as if you never did it. And he stopped and his mouth dropped. And he said, that's huge. And I thought, that is huge. It's so easy for me to forget how huge that is, that the enormity of my sin, in that song, It Is Well With My Soul, my sin, oh, the joy of this glorious thought, my sin, not the part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. My sin is gone. It's been washed away. It's miraculous. How wonderful. How miraculous. How powerful is that? 
that through Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins, but recognizing that that power that forgives us of our sins, that washes us away, washes them all away, and washes us clean from the inside out, also enables us and empowers us. Supernaturally, miraculously, you say, well, to forgive that person, it would take a miracle. Yes, it would take a miracle. But Jesus is here to work that miracle in your life right now. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins, not just our sins, but the sins of those who have, for, have sinned against us. And this is how we tap into that power. And I'm going to end with this. Jesus taught us the way on the cross with nails in his hands and feet, a crown of thorns pressed down upon his head and his life's blood spilling forth from his body. He looks down upon his murderers and he prays this prayer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That prayer of Jesus is the key to forgiveness because even though forgiveness happens in a moment, it is an act that needs to be repeated again and again and again because those you forgive today, you may wake up tomorrow and realize you need to forgive them again. You see the, the tough thing, sorry. You see the tough thing about the flesh is that even though it's been put to death by the power of Christ, it revives. It tends to come back to life. You can forgive in a moment. You just might have to repeat that moment again and again and again. And if you wake up tomorrow and realize you need to forgive again, you can do so simply by praying the prayer of Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you might look at the people who, who crucified Jesus and say, what do you mean they didn't know what they did? You might look at the people who sinned against you and say, they did know what they were doing. But so did the Romans who crucified Jesus. They were expert executioners. They were experts. They knew exactly what they were doing. Crucifixion was a form of execution that was designed to prolong your suffering for as long as possible. It took some people three days to die on a cross. They were experts. But when Jesus said they know not what they do, what he meant was they don't understand the eternal significance of what they're doing. They don't understand that they're not just sinning against me, but they're sinning against God. They don't get it. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. I'm tapping into the power of the Father to forgive because I can't forgive you by my own power, but the Father can forgive you. And by faith, I can enter into the Father's forgiveness of you. You see, when your soul is in agony, you're, the soul in agony cannot forgive, but the Father can forgive. And so in that moment of your agony, you can pray the prayer of Jesus. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. But it starts with the prayer of the sinner. We call it the sinner's prayer. Father, forgive me. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And if your heart turns to the Lord and prays the sinner's prayer, you open the door to your heart, Jesus comes in, and he forgives, 
and he cleanses and he washes away every guilty stain and he will release within you the power to forgive. I'm just going to ask you to pray with me this morning. And if you're watching me today and you're ready to open your heart to Jesus and receive the forgiveness of sins from him, maybe for the first time, I want you to close your eyes and open your hands and pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray it with me out loud. Just say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I ask you, Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. Heal me of my guilt. Free me from shame. Jesus, come into my heart and make your home with me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you arose from the dead. And I believe that you are Lord. Receive me now. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 God is here and God is good and he loves you.